0: You're listening to Simply the Best Sports Take, the best podcast breaking down the best stuff in sports with host Sean Bingham. His takes are so good, he dropped the mic. But then you wouldn't be able to hear him. And that would suck.
1: It's a up. Aim high, let him see your fire. Pray for me. Welcome into STB Sports Take, simply the best sports podcast. I am your host, Sean Bingham, and this is The Strike. We got the strike. We got the fire. We got the love. We got desire. We're going to fight until the break of morning light. Because we are warriors, warriors tonight. The Strike. I actually went to a uh, concert of theirs last night. Those guys are awesome. Good friends of mine, uh, especially the lead singer Chris Crabb. Check them out on iTunes, The Strike. They just got some new stuff they're releasing very soon, so you're going to like it. That song is called Warriors. I am Sean Bingham. I am your host. This is Simply the Best Sports Podcast, and I am back at my desk with a nice microphone. Hopefully it sounds better than uh, last week's, although I think it turned out pretty good using the cell phone, talking about Kobe Bryant drop in 60 in his season finale, career finale that is. But uh, today we've got a fantastic podcast ready for you. We're going to do a little NFL draft preview. The draft is tonight. But more than anything, we're going to be talking about the NBA playoffs. We're bringing in uh, pro scout and pro development coach Colin Terry. He'll be joining us shortly to talk about the playoffs, talk about the injuries that have been taking place and how they may affect the entire landscape of these NBA playoffs. So for starters, though, before we bring in Colin, let's talk real quick about the NFL draft. It's crazy how much attention the NFL gets. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love football. Love football. During football season, my favorite sport is football. During basketball season, though, my favorite sport is basketball. So right now, while I'm I'm stoked to, to see what happens in this year's draft, I'm far more focused on the NBA playoffs, but football dominates this country. And uh, it it is a tremendous sport. It might be my favorite sport. Like I say, it just depends on what season you catch me in, which one's my favorite one. But I pulled up uh, the NBA Insider, excuse me, not the NBA, but the uh, NFL Insider stuff and looked up Todd McShay and, of course, Mel Kiper. They're kind of the ESPN experts right on the NFL and I'll tell you what after the draft we'll do our own little recap with our own expert and kind of kind of see you know what uh, what he thinks of everything Ron Meeker we've had him on the podcast before but we'll bring him in and see kind of what his take is on how the draft went down and what teams were the winners and which ones were the losers but if you look at these big boards that uh, Todd McShay and Mel Kiper put together and their mock drafts by the way are always correct it's it's insane like these guys are always right but There's a lot of hype right now about uh, Carson Wentz and Jared Goff. Wentz, of course, you know, played for North Dakota State quarterback. And this is a team that nobody really saw play this year. I mean, North Dakota State, nobody saw them play. Nobody really knows what to expect, at least among the general public, right? So we're just kind of going off of what happens in the combine and then what the scouts say. But I, I have this gut feeling that both Carson Wentz and Jared Goff, are going to prove to be just kind of average quarterbacks. Again, I'm not claiming to be an expert. You know, we may bring on Ron Meeker in a future show, future podcast, and kind of get his take on some things. But it just feels like there's kind of desperation at the quarterback position. And I just don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to say these guys are going to be like Ryan Leaf types, but it's a crapshoot at quarterback in the NFL. I was talking to a buddy about this just the other day. I mean, you get a guy like Tom Brady, he goes in the sixth round. He was like the 199th pick overall, and he turns out to be the greatest quarterback of all time. Then you get a guy like Peyton Manning, who goes number one overall, and he's, you know, top three quarterback of all time, top five quarterback of all time. And then you get a guy like Ryan Leaf, who goes second overall, right behind Peyton Manning. And it was kind of a debate that year, who should go first. I mean, Peyton Manning... You know, was kind of the the front-runner all along. But there was some debate. Who should go number one? Peyton Manning or Ryan Leaf? Well, Ryan Leaf was probably the biggest bust in the history of the NFL draft. Then you look at the you know the year with, with uh, RG3 and Andrew Luck. There was a lot of debate there. Who's number one? Is it Andrew Luck? Is it RG3? Now, I'm a huge Redskins fan, and so I've been on the RG3 bandwagon all along. And RG3, as a rookie, did win Offensive Rookie of the Year. But we've seen what's happened since then. Andrew Luck is very much an elite quarterback or on his way to being an elite quarterback. And RG3 didn't play a single down last year. And now he's on the Browns. And honestly, I don't really foresee anything good happening there in Cleveland for RG3. So quarterback is so difficult to predict, you know. Um, And and that same year, you know, the Redskins also took Kirk Cousins who last year in the final 10 games of the season had the highest quarterback rating, passer rating of anyone in the league. He threw for over 300 yards six times. He threw 20, I think it was 22 touchdowns to three or four interceptions is all. And, you know, they went to the playoffs, they won the division. And that was a guy that was selected after the coveted RG3. So the quarterback position is such a crapshoot. The problem is you can't win in the NFL without a good quarterback. You just can't. Um. I mean, maybe you have a you know a superior defense like the Broncos did last year, where you just have one of the best defenses in the history of the league, and then you can win it all. But even then, they had Peyton Manning as their quarterback. Maybe he's not physically the best he's ever been, but he's Peyton Manning, and he's the smartest quarterback to ever play the game. So you really you you have to have a good quarterback. To win in the NFL, and so that's why these guys like Carson Wentz and Jared Goff are getting so much hype, and they're going to get paid a lot of money because they play quarterback and they're the best quarterbacks in the draft, according to you know all of the scouts. Anyway, it rarely ends up you know being true, but I guess time will tell. So let's take a look at what Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay have to say about this. Both of them have Laramie Tunsell and Joey Bosa in their top two. Only McShea has Bosa number one as like the best overall talent in the draft. And then Tunsell number two, while Kuyper has them reversed. He has Tunsil number one, who's a tackle out of Mississippi. And then Bosa, of course, the defensive end from Ohio State. He has him at number two. And then they both have, you know, Jalen Ramsey, the cornerback out of Florida State, um, three and four, Ezekiel Elliott. Is listed as the fifth best player according to McShay, whereas Mel Kiper Jr. has Ezekiel Elliott down at number eight, and Kiper has Mel Kiper Jr. actually has Jared Goff, which is of course the quarterback out of Cal. He has him the fifth rated quarter or fifth rated player on his big board, while uh, McShay has him ranked tenth. So they're both they're all kind of the same. Carson Wentz is listed as the seventh best player on Mel Kuyper's big board. And he's ninth on Todd McShay's. But what's interesting is that everybody knows they're going to go one and two. And it's it's likely that uh, Jared Goff will go number one and then Carson Wentz will go number two. And Carson Wentz will go to the Eagles, which is really, really interesting because the Eagles traded up just last week to get from the eighth spot. They traded up to get that second pick. And they're just going to take whichever guy isn't selected by the Rams. But most likely it's looking like it'll be Jared Goff taken first overall by the Rams. And then Carson Wentz out of North Dakota State will go to the Eagles. But the Eagles, they just signed uh, Sam Bradford to like a two-year extension. And Sam Bradford's not a guy that's proven to be much in the NFL yet. But I think everybody believes he still could be. He's fought some injuries and he's still young, things like that. And he's shown signs of greatness. But he hasn't really ever proven to be a winning quarterback yet. And so the Eagles go out and go out of their way to kind of get this insurance policy uh, to get up as high as the second pick. But then as the Broncos reach out to them, which happened I think just today or maybe yesterday, the Broncos reach out because they're in desperate need of a quarterback about getting Sam Bradford after they see that the Eagles traded up to get the number two pick. And of course the Eagles say, no, we're not looking to, to trade. And that just kind of confuses everybody because now Sam Bradford's thinking – well, I've been told that I'm the starter, but yet you just made a blockbuster deal to get the number two pick so you could take another quarterback. So am I just kind of like a one-year fill-in guy? Or are you just waiting for me to fail? You know, what's going on here? And so the Broncos, in my opinion, were smart to reach out, but, you know, the the Eagles didn't bite. But most likely we are going to see Goff and, and Wentz go one and two. But uh, like I say, we're, we're not going to get too deeply into the draft. Um it'll be interesting tonight's the first round and you know, it it obviously goes for a couple of days through the weekend, things like that. But it's really, really interesting to see how much these guys get paid and then who really earns it because so many of them don't. And the quarterback position in particular is so, so difficult. You know, there's, there's people saying that we'll look back in a few years and realize that neither one of these quarterbacks was even worthy of the first round, let alone the one and two picks. So they'll both probably be playing with a chip on their shoulder um and they both are going to be taken by teams that are in a good position, you know, the the running game is strong in LA with uh with Todd Gurley there and they're 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 an established decent team. Eagles the same. Uh they've got a new coach now and stuff, but neither one of these teams is like the cellar dweller of the league. You know, it's kind of unique both teams traded up to get where they are. So it will be interesting to see how that all shakes out, but um let's move on to the NBA playoffs because it is indeed basketball season. And the story of these playoffs has absolutely got to be injuries, right? I mean, we've got Steph Curry, the two-time reigning MVP, the star of the 73-9 and nine record-setting Warriors, defending NBA champions with the coach of the year and Steve Kerr, which we'll get into later. But he goes down with an ankle injury. Then he goes down with a knee injury upon his return. And now, with a sprained MCL in his right knee, he's out for at least two weeks. So does everybody just freak out and panic in uh you know in the bay area i don't think so you know they they handled the rockets easily but the rockets are maybe the worst team in the playoffs and james harden's a joke of a superstar if you ask me which i might even dedicate a whole podcast as to 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 why james harden is awful for the nba and why he's an overrated superstar but we'll save that for another time so they handle the rockets just fine but now you know it's looking like oh shoot they're gonna have to play the clippers and the clippers actually gave him some trouble you know last year and before last year The Clippers kind of had the the Warriors number, and it was like this big rivalry, and it was awesome. You've got Chris Paul and Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan, and they're just this awesome team that's kind of on the rise. and, And then this year, they just weren't quite that. And then to top it off, Chris Paul goes out with a broken hand, has surgery. And then they find out that Blake Griffin can't go. He's got a thigh injury. And it's just like, shoot, all of a sudden, the Clippers are just done, smoked, over, season done. And of course, you know, they, they lose to the Blazers in, uh, you know, game five. And now game six is, when is game six? I think it's tomorrow night or something. And it's in Portland. And so they just, the the, the Clippers are done. And so now it's looking like we're going to have a Blazers-Warriors matchup in the second round. And I just don't really see the Warriors having much trouble with Portland. They'll probably lose a game, maybe even two, well, with, with Steph Curry not being able to go. But I'd be shocked shocked if they lost more than two. I'd even be surprised if they lost two. My guess is the Warriors win that series four games to one. And then they're going to be waiting for the winner of the Spurs versus Thunder, which will be a great series, but I think we all agree the Spurs will likely win that one. But you just can't help but wonder what could have been for the Clippers. You know, last year, the Warriors, you could argue, got pretty lucky that the Cavs had no Kyrie Irving and no Kevin Love because if, if we're being real with ourselves... I think with a healthy Kyrie Irving and a healthy Kevin Love and LeBron doing what he did, the Cavs probably win the championship last year, honestly. I think the Warriors are a far better team this year than they were last year. And last year they were really good, obviously. They were the NBA champions. But there's no question they benefited from injuries on the opposing side. And that's just part of sports. You know, that's just part of sports. I'm not saying the Warriors were lucky or anything like that. But that's just just part of sports, and I think it did play a, a factor. And I think that this year... The Clippers could have been on the benefiting end of that because Steph Curry went down, and I think they would handled you know would have handled Portland just fine. And Steph Curry and the Warriors would have been waiting for them in round two. Only it would have not been Steph Curry and the Warriors; it would have just been the rest of the Warriors. And I think they could have beat them. I really do. I think it could have been a you know it would have been a very close series. I'm not saying they for sure would have beaten them. Um, in fact, I, if I'm being real, I think the Warriors still probably win that one. But it would have been much, much more interesting to have a healthy Chris Paul, a healthy Blake Griffin, and a healthy Clippers team going against a Curryless Warriors team. That would have been really, really fun to watch and really, really interesting to see how it shook out. But we won't get that. So, And heaven forbid, you, know, the, you never wish injury on anybody. So it's too bad that uh, we're seeing star players go down in the playoffs. But it's part of the game. Clippers are definitely suffering from it. They're done. Their season's over, I'd say. I'd be shocked if they win these last two games, and uh, you know another team suffering from it is the Heat. The Heat could be contenders in the East if they had a healthy Chris Bosh, but he's got those blood clots in his lungs that are obviously a very serious deal, and they're not letting him go despite the fact that he actually wants to go. Chris Bosh has been pretty vocal that he's ready to play, he wants to play, he knows he could help his team, but they're just they're they're just not going to risk his health like that. And I don't I don't think we'll see Chris Bosh in these playoffs, but. I guess we'll see if they're able to advance past Charlotte, who's now beaten them three times in a row. And besides the Cavs, because of the Bosch injury, in my opinion, besides the Cavs, there's really nobody in the East even worth talking about. You know, there's really nobody over there to talk about. The Cavs should coast to 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 the finals. And they'll be up against the Warriors, the Spurs, the Thunder, who knows, the Blazers. I doubt it'll be the Blazers or the Thunder. But if there's a if, if we get Steph Curry to come back healthy, then it'll be the Warriors, I'm sure. But if 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 Curry's not healthy, if he's if he's not even hundred percent, I could very easily see the Spurs getting to the finals because the Spurs, they do the same thing every year. They kind of coast in the regular season, and then all of a sudden come playoffs, they're like this different team. They've been hiding all these tricks up their sleeves and different schemes and different rotations and more minutes for certain guys and things like that. And they're healthy and ready to go, and the the Warriors are, so their winning percentage with Curry is, is 89.3 or .893. Without him, it's .667, so their winning percentage is significantly better with him than it is without him. They average 10.2 more points per game with Curry than they do without him, and he's number one in the NBA in plus-minus, so... I get it. Draymond Green's good. Klay Thompson's good. Harrison Barnes is good. Bogut's good. All these guys are good players. You know, Sean Levinson stepped up huge last night uh, in the win over the Rockets to close that series. They have great players on their team. I get that. But there's no question they are significantly better when Steph Curry is on the court. Significantly better. He makes everyone around him better. He, he draws so many defenders to him, so many eyeballs, so much attention to him that it frees guys up for open looks that they wouldn't get. Otherwise his ball handling skills are superior to anyone in the league outside of maybe Chris Paul and Kyrie Irving and a couple of other guys like that. John wall, maybe is in there, but, um, he's so good with the basketball that he makes everyone around him better and he's not there now. And so they looked great last night. Again, I'm not going to pay too close attention to that because I think the rockets are just awful. Um, but they you know they got it done and now they're gonna play most likely the Blazers. They get a couple of days to, to chill and rest out and uh you know try and get Steph back to to health quicker. But it's gonna be at least two weeks, and we're only a couple of days into that. So he'll miss that whole series, I'm I'm guessing. But they're now lucking out again. Just kidding, I'm not gonna give it to luck. They're a great team. But they're now the benefactor again to injury in a sense that they're not gonna have to play the Clippers with Chris Paul or Blake Griffin. So The Warriors should get to the to the Western Conference Finals, and my guess is they'll play the Spurs. But I do think that the Thunder, with Kevin or excuse me, yeah, Kevin Durant, sorry, I was about to say Kevin Love, with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook healthy and ready to go, those guys are young, they're hungry, they've been to the finals before, and you gotta think that at some point that team will break through. But maybe they won't, but that's usually how it goes, right? Like the young team kinda like just keeps knocking on the door. And the old team just keeps turning them away. And then finally, one year, it shifts. And the old guys are just, they don't quite have it anymore. And the young guys have learned what they need to learn. And they're ready to go. And they win. And you got to think, at some point, that's going to happen for KD and Russell Westbrook. But I just don't know if this is the year. Because the Spurs and the Warriors are so good. I just don't think this is the year for the Thunder. Even though going into the season, a lot of people did think that this, this was the year of the Thunder. And then you get, you know, the Spurs going out, they go and get Lamarcus Aldridge and Kawhi Leonard continues to improve, and pop is just pop, and they just have these guys that that become role players that used to be superstars. Tim Duncan is a role player. Tim Duncan is an is a surefire Hall of Famer. He's a five time champion, and he has totally he is totally content becoming a role player on his own team that he used to be the superstar of. People still look at him as like the, the star of the team. He's not even close. He's like their third or fourth option on offense. That offense goes through Kawhi Leonard and LaMarcus Aldridge. And on top of that, Kawhi Leonard's Defensive Player of the Year two years in a row now. He is their superstar. Kawhi Leonard is their superstar. He's so soft-spoken, he fits in perfectly in San Antonio. So the, the Spurs are phenomenal. Um, I think they give, I think they. I think they, you know, the Thunder, excuse me, will give the Spurs a run for their money, but the Spurs will win that series, most likely in 6, maybe even maybe even 5, but uh, I do think it'll be a close, you know, close battle. And then I'm guessing that the, you know, the the Warriors will beat the Spurs in a close series if Steph Curry is healthy. If Steph Curry cannot go against the Spurs, I'll tell you right now the Spurs will win that series and go on to the finals. And it'll be against the Cavs, and we'll just see how things shake out, but you know, I do think that the the Heat could have uh, could have battled the Cavs if they had a healthy Bosh. And last night, you know, they, they lost a tough one. If you watch that game, D-Wade, you know, got, got uh, Drogic. He, he, so Drogic had a shot that got blocked. D-Wade caught it. He's on the baseline. He turns, goes to the hoop, has what's about to be the game-tying layup with just a couple seconds to go. And he gets hammered. And they don't call anything. And it, it just bothers me so much that if it's a foul with 10 minutes to go in the game it should be a foul with 10 seconds to go in the game there shouldn't be a change in what's a foul based on how much time is left a foul is a foul and it should be consistent throughout the whole game and he was absolutely hammered on that last play and it didn't get called and you know the heat end up losing their third straight to charlotte and now it looks like they're probably going to lose the series i mean d wade you don't want to count him out yet but I, you know, I'd, I'd be surprised if Charlotte loses that series at this point. They just, they just, they're, they're younger, they're hungry, uh, all the momentum's in their favor, and Game Six is in their house. So, I think it'll probably be a, a Hornets. The Hornets moving on to the next round, and therefore the East becomes, in my opinion, completely irrelevant outside of the Cavs, because the Raptors are a joke of a two seed, and everyone else. It's like we don't the Hawks, the Celtics. Are we really going to talk about these teams? What are they going to do? They're they're, they're going to do nothing in the playoffs. They're going to maybe you know the, the, well, one of them will get to the next round because they're playing each other, but outside of that, it's just it just doesn't even matter. You know, the, whoever the Cavs play, they're going to beat, and so it's just a matter of who they play in the finals, right? So I could see the Cavs winning it all. I could if if Kyrie is healthy and Kevin Love is healthy and LeBron stays healthy, which he always does because he's a machine. The Cavs are legit. They're playing really well. They just swept the Pistons, not to say the Pistons are that great, and it was it was actually a lot of close games, but they did sweep the Pistons and they're going to be able to coast into the Finals. They are. I, I don't think they'll have a series go beyond five or six games. And I think that the in, out West, I mean, the Spurs have to play the Thunder right now and then after that, they're going to have to play the Warriors. Those are the three best teams in the league and they're all over there in the same conference. And so, the Cavs are really, really good and and I could see them being the benefactor of just being in, in better shape and less banged up and more rested going into the finals, and maybe they can surprise some people. So it'll be an interesting playoffs, but uh, I do want to talk, before we bring in Colin Terry, I just want to talk real quick about how Steve Kerr got coach of the year. This guy is a phenomenal coach. We're not going to debate that. He, he took a team that was already, in my opinion, trending upward significantly with Mark Jackson at the helm. And he accelerated that that trend, I would say, to the point where they broke the record for most wins in a season, which honestly might never get broken. I didn't think the 72-10 and 10 record would ever get broken, but it did, which kind of upsets me if I'm being honest, but it's okay. Kudos to the Warriors. At least Steve Kerr, a former Bull, was, the, was at the helm. But what's interesting is that I feel like people maybe forgot Steve Kerr sat out the first 43 games of the season. He had back surgery, and the Warriors went thirty-nine and four with Luke Walton at at the helm. And then when Kerr came back, they went thirty-six and five. So they actually had a better record with Luke Walton at the helm than they did with Kerr at the helm. And they also had Walton on the bench as, you know, the quote unquote head coach for more games than they did with Kerr on the bench as head coach. And then Steve Kerr wins coach of the year. I mean, come on, I, I get that the Warriors broke the all-time record, and so it just seems like, well, who else are you going to give it to, right? But the guy that you gave it to sat out half the season. If Steph Curry had sat out half the season, would they give him the MVP? No. It wouldn't even be a question. There'd be He wouldn't even be on the ballot. If you sit out 40-something games, 43 games, you're not on the ballot for MVP, period but Steve Kerr won coach of the year. I'm not saying he wasn't deserving because he probably is the best coach in the league right now. Popovich is always right up there. But, you know, Terry Scott did a great job with the Blazers given the fact that they lost LaMarcus Aldridge. But but um, it's just it just feels like maybe it should have gone to somebody else given the fact that Kerr wasn't even present for more than half of the season. So... That's just something to think about. I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can uh, shoot me a tweet at Sean Bingham S E A N B I N G H A M. And before we bring in Colin Terry, guys, little plug: share this podcast with your friends. This thing's growing. We I love doing it, and you guys are awesome for listening. Thank you. But share it with your friends on social media and stuff if you feel you know want to. If you feel so inclined, I guess. But we're gonna bring in our pro scout now. Our m b a analyst he is uh, he is indeed a scout of all professional basketball players n b a and he's even done some stuff overseas but has his main focus is of course on the n b a that's why we bring him in It's colin Terry folks Colin, thanks for joining us again here on simply the best sports podcast
0: hey Sean. thanks for having me,
1: yeah dude so um it's always fun to have you and right now we're in the thick of the nBA playoffs. I know the nFL draft is tonight, and there's a lot of people all hyped up on that but but this is basketball season, and we're going to talk about basketball. So one thing I want to jump right into with you is the Steph Curry, Chris Paul, and Blake Griffin injuries. And let's start with the MVP, Steph Curry. How big of a deal is this knee injury that he just had, the sprained MCL? It, are the Warriors okay without him for the time being, or what's going on?
0: Yeah, I I think it became less of a big deal when Chris Paul and Blake Griffin got injured. Uh, that um, that made it not as a big deal. Uh, the Warriors have a ton of talent, a ton of shooters on their team. And uh, with the Clippers losing their two best players, it's really helped the Golden State Warriors navigate the next round. Uh, they don't necessarily need Curry as bad as they would have previously. And if I was the the head coach of the Warriors or uh, a major decision uh, maker in that organization, I would even be maybe even more cautious than I would before because I think the road got a lot easier with uh, Blake Griffin and Chris Paul getting injured.
1: Yeah, definitely. I agree. So an interesting stat. And obviously the, the Warriors have only played now like six games or something without, Uh, Steph Curry, but they are significantly, they do have a better winning percentage with him than without him, but a more telling stat, they average 10.2 points per game more with Steph Curry than they do without him, and he also is number one in the NBA in plus-minus, so it's interesting, you know, like, I agree with you that, uh, you know, once Chris Paul and Blake Griffin went down, that kind of was, had to have been a kind of a relief for the Warriors, because now they're likely going to see the Blazers in the next round, And that's a much easier matchup than the Clippers would have been. But so tell me this. Do you think that the, you know, do you think that the Clippers would have beaten the Warriors in a seven game series without Steph Curry, given that the Warriors would still have home game advantage?
0: I still think it would have been pretty difficult. Um, I I really like the stats that you just presented about Steph Curry Um, with the NBA game today, I remember hearing Jeff Van Gundy say that it's a one-play league. It's a, a pick-and-roll game. Um, if you go to watch a game, or you're going to see multiple pick-and-rolls on almost every single possession. And the reason why Steph, they're able to score so many points is because he does what all great players do, and that is he creates all great players do two things: they get a live, they can get a live dribble in the paint, or they can cause a double team, or both. And the best ones can do both, and Steph is really, really good at both of those aspects of the game. And so he puts so much pressure on the defense. But with him being out, um, I think one of the things too with the Warriors, and this is why I think that they would still beat the Clippers without Curry, is they've got. Other really, really, really great players. Klay Thompson is fantastic. I think he's probably the best two guard in the NBA. Draymond Green, the best four man. Uh, they've got Sean Livingston, who's probably the best all around bench player in the NBA. They've got Andrew Iguodala. And,
1: and Livingston, just to, well, Just so. to cut you off, Livingston went off last night, filling in for Curry as the starting point guard. The dude was seven for eight from the field for sixteen points. His plus minus—he was a plus twenty-nine last night. Plus twenty-nine. I mean, yeah. Livingston had sixteen points, yeah. three rebounds, three assists, only one turnover. He only played twenty-eight minutes. I mean, that's that's a heck of a fill-in for Steph Curry right there.
0: Yeah, and he's—I mean—he's a six-seven point guard. Yeah, and he's a tremendous defender who can guard multiple positions, and he's not even. I wouldn't say that he's a great three point shooter, uh, but he puts a lot of pressure on the defense. He creates a double team, like I was talking about previously, mm-hmm. by posting up smaller guards and whoever he's against in the mid post, kind of low post area. So they've just got multiple weapons. And as I remember, we were talking about it before. There's maybe one or two guys on the entire roster, Andrew Bogat being one of them, who can't hit a wide open three pointer. And so they just spread you out. And when you're defending their pick and rolls, you have to extend your defense so high that it creates driving lanes and, and opportunities for the the drive and kick game. And those guys can hit wide open threes. Yeah. So it, it's just tough. And I'm not I'm not totally sold on the clippers. As far as their ability to consistently play defense, lock people down when they need to, I think that's kind of part of their inconsistency. And so I I definitely think it it would be advantageous for the Clippers to go against the Warriors without Steph Curry, but I don't think the Clippers are even going to get past the the Blazers in this current round.
1: What's no, no. I mean they they lost their two best players. I think they're done. So let's let's assume that that, you know, that that's indeed the case and that the Blazers go on and win game 6 at home and and wrap up that series. Do do you see the Blazers being able to steal one or two against the Warriors? Uh do they have a chance in that series at all given that Steph Curry is going to be out for the, you know, Steph Curry's going to be out at least 2 weeks. So he's going to miss that whole series most likely. So do they have a chance, the Blazers or are they just hoping to steal one or two.
0: I think it's going to be really, really tough. I really do. Um, I think it's hard to sweep a team in the NBA. I know the Cavaliers did that with the Pistons, but those games are really competitive throughout the series for the most part. Yeah, they were. So the Blazers may have been in one game, Sean, but I, I just, I think it's tough. I think the Blazers have, done a phenomenal job this year. I think they've completely overachieved. I think Terry Stotts could have been the coach of the year. Obviously, Uh, uh, Steve Kerr did a fantastic job and they broke the record, but considering the talent that they have being in the Western Conference when they were expected not even to get to the playoffs, and now, yeah, through some bad luck for the Clippers, but there's a strong possibility they're going to win a playoff series. Uh, I think it's been incredibly impressive, but I just think they're, they're, they're really overmatched against the Warriors. They just get too much, too much firepower.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think you're right. I think they could steal one or two and two at the most. I mean, last night was so impressive by the Warriors to go out and just dominate the Rockets like they did. Granted, the Rockets are, in my opinion, they're pretty awful. But uh, they still went out and won by whatever it was one one fourteen to eighty one or something like that. Let's look that up real quick, actually. But the, the way they went out and just beat him, yeah, one fourteen to eighty one. So, and that was without their best player, without the MVP. But I do want to touch on something real quick that you mentioned with Terry Stotts and Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr wins coach of the year. Now, an interesting stat: Steve Kerr missed the first forty three games, and under Luke Walton, the Warriors went thirty nine and four. Under Steve Kerr, they went 36-5. and So they actually had a better record by a little bit with Luke Walton kind of manning the the reins, if you will. But then Steve Kerr wins coach of the year, having missed more than half of the season. Isn't that kind of like giving the guy the MVP when when he was injured for half the year? I mean, how does that work? How can you give a guy coach of the year when he wasn't even there for half the season?
0: Yeah, I, I think that's definitely interesting for sure. Um, it's kind of weird too because all those wins that Luke Walton got, he didn't even get. I mean, don't, those don't go to his win total. Which I don't, I don't know why that's the case. I think that's really pretty, pretty weird, and doesn't make any sense to anybody. But, um, but yeah, you know, I think I think you make a good point with Luke Walton. And the and the record, however, what I would say though is the first part of the season. I'm not gonna say it's easier to get wins per se, but I think one of the, the the challenges the NBA has right now is the seasons are just too long. They just have too many games, and so I think uh, Luke Walton's uh, win total is kind of a byproduct of new season, whereas even though it's only a difference, I think you said, of one game. Steve Kerr's is, hey, we're game 68. We're tired. We're probably a little bit burned out. Yeah. Um, You know, it's it's a grind as far as the season's concerned, and uh, I think that's kind of more of the reason why uh, Luke Walton has a better win total than, than Steve Kerr. I think they're both good coaches. I think they're doing a good job. And uh, a big part of the NBA and having coaching success in the NBA is getting guys to play together as a team, especially on the defensive end. And I think that's where the Rockets, I've seen this firsthand spending time with several NBA teams. When your best player is not committed to the defensive end of the floor, it almost gives everybody else on the team permission to... Kind of slack off too. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't feel as accountable. And you're, that you're not suggesting that like James Pirates. Harden doesn't
1: play defense, are you?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm suggesting. I think there's multiple people <laughs> on that team uh, that don't play, don't play defense, and so it's almost, it's almost, it kind of lets everybody off the hook. And when you have that scenario, and that accountability is not there. It's very, very difficult to win, and I think that's for whatever reason what happened with the Rockets chemistry or whatever I think they made a mistake. I think j d Baker did a great job, but I think they made a mistake by getting rid of Kevin McKell early in the season, yeah, but it's tough to win when your best players aren't committed to consistently defending and and things like that um on on that side of the ball.
1: Yeah, James Harden, he's the most overrated superstar in the history of the league, but that's a conversation for another day. Um so let's 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 get back to these these western playoffs real quick cuz I don't know that there's, you know, much to talk about in the east, although I do want to ask you that as well, but the Spurs and the Thunder, um what are we expecting to see there?
0: I think you're going to see the same old San Antonio Spurs. I think they're just going to find a way to win I think they've got a deeper bench. I think with Lamarcus Aldridge in that series, I think that's a great matchup for him, whether he's going against Ennis Cantor or Serge Ibaka. I think, uh, I just think the Spurs are tough. And I, I I think we talked about this on a previous interview is, you know, all the Spurs do is fly under the radar. They're, they won Almost as many games. They were pretty close to the. Uh, I think when it was all said and done, maybe six games more they lost. But I think
1: yeah, there were six to, six, they were sixty-seven and fifteen. There.
0: And, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: And all they do it, is fall under the radar. Franchise
1: record for a franchise that has five titles. I mean, so for them to have a franchise record season, that means they're a dangerous team this year. Yeah,
0: yeah. And i've I've thought I've thought all along and I'm not a big believer in the regular season as far as how these guys will do in the playoffs. I think it's a totally different game. But I follow along, you know, whether Steph Curry's there or not, the Spurs had a really great chance to not only beat the Warriors, but also win a title again. And um, so, yeah, so I, I think you're going to see the same old Spurs. I think they're going to do a, a good job team defending Westbrook and Durant. I think they're going to make other guys on their team try and beat them. I don't think the Thunder have enough to do that uh, as far as their role players are concerned. I think one of the big secrets that people don't realize about the Spurs is they always have elite role players. And there's a saying in the NBA that role players don't travel. So like role players that are, are usually really good at home but on the road they don't really show up interesting different environment more pressure
1: not not to put and you on the spot with, do you have but do you have like for you know for the listeners and, and even myself do you have an example of something that we could all like relate to and be like oh yeah that guy really is good really good at home but on the road not so much or is that just you know not to put you on the spot but just curious off, if you about the top of my-
0: yeah, off the top of my head, I don't I mean, I'd have to think about it as far as a specific player. Okay, but fair enough. If you look at I I think it's really easy to identify uh who the best role players are on a team and kind of the best teams. because 'cause you'll see that their role players like for instance, I'll give you an example of a guy that I know shows up big time on the road and has in big situations is Danny Green. And yeah. in uh the playoffs against the, the Miami Heat for the finals championship. Danny Green a couple years ago was hitting six threes, seven threes in Miami on the road. Yeah. And so he's a guy that does really well uh at home and on the road as well. But generally role players, like I said before, that are great players. They usually struggle. I'll give you an example of somebody, I think, who's who kind of is hot or cold depending on the situation is I think someone like J.R. Smith. Yeah. He generally plays really well at home. He's got the crowd. And every once in a while, he'll have a great game on the road in a playoff situation. He'll get 24 or 25, things like that. But generally, he's kind of hit or miss on the road. Yeah. So he's a good player but there that consistency isn't there and it's hard to depend on that whereas the Spurs the Warriors those elite teams you can depend on the role guys Boris Diaw is going to step up and make a big play uh, uh Patty Mills is going to hit a few threes yeah um and so anyway
1: so we got we got a couple minutes left here I want to ask you so I want to ask you about the East and then I want to get you know some predictions from you Is there anyone in the East worth talking about outside of the Cleveland Cavaliers?
0: As far as title
1: contention? Yeah.
0: Or just in general?
1: Title contention.
0: Uh, I mean, I think the Cleveland Cavaliers, like you said, are uh, the best team out there. I I do like the Charlotte Hornets. I think Steve Clifford, their head coach, has done a phenomenal job. They don't really have a true superstar but they're...
1: Kemba fantastic. Walker could become one, though.
0: He could, yeah. And he's really stepped up his game and has done really, really well this year. But I just love what they're doing on the defensive side of the floor. The NBA is all about pick and roll, and they do a really, really good job with their pick and roll defense. In fact, they're one of the top, top five teams in the NBA guarding the pick and roll. And so I, I think they've done a really good job I think they could be more dangerous than people think Um, with them winning three in a row against the Miami heat. Yeah. uh, I think they could match up well uh, against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Do I think they would win? Probably not because of the LeBron factor, but I I do think they're they're an underrated team. And I think they're showing that against the Miami heat that they're, you do have to kind of take them seriously, for yeah.
1: sure. Yeah, and I'll be honest, I was very much expecting a Heat versus Cavs Eastern Conference Finals. You know, the Raptors, of course, are the two seed, but they're just being the Raptors. They're barely squeaking by up 3 2 over the seven seed Pacers, and who knows what will happen in the final two games there. But I don't really see them as a contender. And you know, without Chris Bosh, the the Heat took a huge hit. I think if they had Chris Bosh, they could be legitimate contenders to to even make the finals potentially. But without him, they just don't seem to just don't seem to have it. I'd actually at this point be surprised if they win this series against the Hornets. But who knows? Maybe D Wade can turn back the clock and pull some clutch clutch jumpers out down the stretch and win a couple of games here now.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think that's a really good point, Sean, because that's the big weakness for the Hornets is they don't really have a true closer, maybe outside of Kemba, mm-hmm. um, as far as finishing a game off, like D Wade, even though D Wade is older, he's such a great closer and finisher. He's done it so many times and he has that confidence and experience. Yep. So I do think that's something that the Hornets really, that's, that's kind of a glaring weakness for them. But at the end of the day, it's, If you can really defend, uh, especially the pick-and-roll game, I I think it gives you a good chance. And uh, I I do, I think Steve Clifford is really, really a a great, great coach. I really do. He's kind of through the Van Gundy line. He's been in the NBA for a long time, really paid his dues. And um, he's, he's done a really good job with that team.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and it's you know we'll see. I think I think if nothing else, they've got a lot to look forward to in the future. They've got a young team that's looking good. So let's get we we got just one minute left. Let's get some predictions from you. You've got it sounds like you've got the Cavs out of the East. Uh, the West is what everybody cares about, though. You know Steph Curry's down, but he's likely going to be back in time for that Spurs matchup, assuming both teams get there. What do you see happening out west?
0: Yeah. So I see the Western Conference Finals as the Golden State Warriors, San Antonio Spurs. And uh, I'm going to take the Spurs in seven.
1: Okay. The Spurs in seven, which would mean that they win a game seven on the road in Golden State, likely with a healthy Steph Curry at the time. So that is a bold prediction. I'm I'm going
0: out on a limb here. Yeah. I'm going out on a limb. I I just, (laughs) the Spurs, I, I love the way they do things. And I just, I think when the Spurs... I think during the regular season, they didn't really try. They didn't really care. Um, I think they do that for a variety of reasons. Most of it's psychological, but... (laughs) Clyde Leonard out there and Steph Curry, and I think it's going to be... I think he's going to do a good job on him, and it's going to make it a little bit harder for Steph to, to be able to do all the things he normally does. And I think... Uh, I think Lamarcus could be an X factor in that as well, and uh, so we'll see. But usually in those situations, like I was talking about before, the stars cancel each other out generally, and it's what role players play better usually indicates who's going to win. Yep. So that you know, Kawhi's going to cancel out Steph, and and Lamarcus will probably cancel out Clay and, and or
1: Draymond or someone. Yeah. And,
0: and it's going to be what? who has the better role players and who steps up at the more important times.
1: Yeah, that'll be a heck of a matchup, especially if uh, if Steph Curry is able to come back, which I think we all hope he can. I think it's a lot more fun for the league, and you don't wish injury on anybody. So hopefully Steph Curry gets healthy and we can watch the excitement unfold in the Western Conference Finals like we've all been looking forward to. But I'll tell you what, I think I think this Thunder matchup could be interesting for the Spurs. I think the Spurs will win but you you got to think that Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant I mean they're young, they're athletic, they're hungry, they've got experience, they've even been to the finals before. They haven't won a championship but they've at least been there. I don't know at some point you think they're going to break through, maybe this is the year, but I don't know. You you get the young LaMarcus Aldridge and young Kawhi Leonard and it's almost like the Spurs just keep refilling their superstar roster without problems, you know, it's like they just never they never like rebuild. It's always just there for them. So Who knows, but it's going to be a good series. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think the key with that is real quick with the Spurs is high character superstars. They're so important in the NBA and they're, they don't mess around with low character guys. They get high character, hardworking, good teammate players, guys that can play. And that's, I think that's the biggest difference between great organizations, organizations that are consistently good in the NBA and ones that consistently struggle. They'll compromise talent for character. And I think that's why you see. So,
1: yep. That's a very good point. Well, Colin, it's been awesome having you. We're going to, we're going to have to get you back on the podcast here in the next couple of weeks as the playoffs continue to unfold, but thanks for joining us.
0: All right. Thanks, Sean.
1: Colin Terry, everybody. It's always good to have him on the show. He's uh, very insightful, and how about that? Taking the Spurs to beat the Warriors in seven games, even with Steph Curry. But the Spurs are the Spurs. They're good at home. They're good on the road. They're just good come playoff time. So not too much of a stretch, but this year it might be. I guess we'll see how healthy Steph Curry really is. But that's all the time we have for today's podcast. Thank you for joining us. Again, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast Share it with your friends. Give us a little rating. Show some love. Peace. Thanks for hanging with Simply the Best Sports Take. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and check out stbsportstake.com. Simply the best in sports.